0: Motown Rundown, today is Wednesday, June 22nd. We are about 24 hours-ish away from the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, Today is a Pistons dedicated episode. We will touch on a couple other exciting... Well, we had a... You know, here's here's the theme today. I just thought of the theme. Ready for this? It's young guys in the big city. Young guys in the city of Detroit. Motown, no pun intended, but we're going to talk some Riley Green is going to be most of our Tigers talk today. Uh, we got to talk Mo Sider winning the Calder Trophy. Um, and then we got Pistons Draft. So another young talent coming in the city of Detroit. Exciting times. And Jeremy Grant leaving. Yes, and out with the old, then with the new. So those are two cliches for our theme today. Out with the old, in with the new, and young guys take on the big city. That's Perfect. my play. That's my Broadway play that I that I make up today. Thank you, um, Rabs.
1: Thank you, Rabs. Well, yes, okay, I want, I want, I want to start. Unless, unless Rabs had some grand. No, up-
0: nothing. I was actually yeah. scrambling to find something to talk about at the beginning of the show. I feel like we just talked.
1: Well, okay, we we did. We're back on track. We're now doing this yes. weekly again. So it feels it's like we're talking a lot. Here's the thing: Collins plays softball, and apparently, Rabs does too. And I didn't know about this, and this came up in our group chat last night. Collins won tonight, correct?
2: Good job. Yeah, I mean, the team we were playing, I mean, it was a joke. They're a bunch of 65-year-old men. Hey, it, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Listen, Dan Campbell, listen, Dan Campbell,
1: we got to beat the teams we're supposed to beat. We got to take care of business. So that, you know, we'll, we'll look at the tape. We'll take care of everything else later. Collins, where'd you play tonight?
2: Well, I, I play on, like, this team with my cousins, and I'm, like, the youngest guy in the team. None of these guys know me. So they either throw me in right or I play second, basically. The two places they got to hide, guys. So you're,
1: you're, you're Willie Castro,
2: basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. When was when was the last time you played organized baseball, Collins?
2: Uh, I I stopped playing before high school, but I played Fed baseball my ninth grade year.
0: Okay, so you got a you you probably got a stroke. You can I mean you probably hit decently. I can hit.
2: I just what's it called? It's like when you don't play organized baseball for a while. Also, I didn't know any of these guys. Like they're not gonna throw you out and say, "Hey, you're playing short tonight."
0: Yeah, well, and you I would not want it get. because I'm
2: trash in the field right now.
0: What uh, What league is this that you guys are in? Like, I mean, like, there's no age limit. Like, you guys just play in what, everyone's old in that league, and you beat no, up. No, not really.
2: It's usually, I mean, I'm in. It's like the Ferndale league, but I mean, I this has been a pretty good lead. I mean, nice fields. It's in a really cool area, so it's just good vibes. It's not super. I wouldn't say it's like. We're playing, have you, I don't know if you played at Borden or, like, back in the day Liberty. I wouldn't say it's, like, the most serious and competitive, like, group of softball, but it's good vibes.
0: What was your stat line tonight at the dish? I went two for three. where Where'd you hit them? Two, I had doubles. two line
2: drives over the first baseman and then another line drive. That's after.
0: great. Are you a lefty? Attable. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome.
2: Collins, I you mean, should become a switch hitter. I feel like in softball I what I you I mean, when I was younger, I tried to. I mean, I golf right-handed. Wait, wait, wait. You yeah,
0: know, I was gonna say i that, that kind of threw me off.
1: Did you try to be a switch hitter or did Kelly Collins try to make you a
2: switch hitter? Both, which, both which, of those. Was
0: it?
1: it was both. Okay. Because my dad always yeah. tells me, he's like, I'm telling you, raise your kids as left-handed pitchers. Just do it. Just do it.
0: Kelly you Collins. Kelly Collins was staring down the barrel of a uh, a $60 million MLB contract and young Ryan Collins trying to get him to hit from both sides of the dish. Well, but what's it called? Panama. I
2: was like, I mean, you guys know me. I've like been obsessed with sports. I think since I was like three and I have good hands, but like, I am slow. Like I am not fast. I my dad, like probably saw me when I was like four. He said, wow, this kid, like he gets some speed. He could be pretty good. Like,
0: Never I just the out. speed
2: never came, and I also like wasn't in shape when I played baseball that day so. Sorry,
0: you don't have to be. There's a yeah. guy on Auburn. I've been watching this College World Series. There's a guy on Auburn that was
2: massive. Yeah, but he probably hit bombs. You know. He doesn't hit like you don't fat
0: shame on here, but
2: well,
1: hey, anyway, it's the South. You know, I mean, I don't want to stereotype. It's it's it's, yeah. it's the Southern baseball players, man. They 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 do it big down there. Go big or go home. Yeah,
0: good. All right, good game tonight, Collins. Good game. Um, Good game. game. I guess we can stay on the topic of baseball slash softball. We will do a little bit of Tigers today. Um, We'll talk some Red Wings. I think there's actually a pretty decent chunk of Red Wings stuff, even though we talked about them last week, but um, we'll get into that a bit. But primarily today, as we said, it's going to be Pistons draft preview. Um, I wouldn't call it big trade based on the return, which we will, I guess, dissect that. But um, Jeremy Grant gets moved from the Pistons today. But before we get into that, as far as Tigers are concerned, they're in Boston right now. Um I I don't think we really have much as far as anything changing all that much since the last time we talked about the Tigers. Um, I know Trent wants to touch on Javi Baez, who's who's kind of found his bat a little bit. He went deep again tonight. Well here I'll um, we'll do it in I,
1: 30 seconds, Rabs. I'll do it in that's 30 seconds. Right, f- let's
0: hear it. My Javi Baez player.
1: is hitting 375 in a six-game hitting streak. I just, we all knew, and I know it's been exaggerated, but we all knew that we were getting this up and down hitter who's a great glove in the field to have. And I guess I just, and I, I text you guys this half jokingly as I think he's kind of coming out of his latest slump. He's going to get back to about the 220 mark, and then he's going to dip back down, starting at about you know late July, mid-August. So we'll see. We'll see. But it, it definitely looks like Javi has done better. He's got a two-run over tonight, as as, as Rab's mentioned. Uh, the only two runs the Tigers have to show as of now. But I just – I have more confidence in Javi than a lot of the fan base.
2: So that's all I'm saying. I, love I said this last week. I, like, he is having this – I'm not saying he's done for his entire contract and stuff like that, but he's been awful this year. And it's I don't think it's going to change for majority of the year. Um, maybe figure some things out and take it in, but I mean, to see, I, I, I mean, they're about to get swept here in Boston. They've they're playing more competitively, I mean, whatever, but I mean, there was a national article about the Tigers being a joke today. That's pretty hard to do. And, hey Collins, and-
1: can I, can I, can I bring something up that I think is funny as hell was I saw this was, this was months ago. This was probably two months ago at the beginning of the season There was a tweet from Mike Francesa that said, by the way, dot, 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 when does Major League Baseball return to Detroit? And you quote tweeted it and you said, God damn it. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious because that's like the ultimate, like, insult of your team sucks is if Mike. I I
2: was watching that. That was the game where there was a pop-up and Tyler Alexander tried to catch it and dropped it. (laughs) <laughs> I just said, does, does Detroit play major league baseball? And it was like Francis. I was like, God damn it. Are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: that was great. It was great. Um, anyways, 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 you can get back to what you're saying about Hobby. And no, can- but like
2: Roosevelt, Ken Roosevelt, it takes a lot for him to do a deep dive article into an organization. And I basically think it's because people around the league either want the Tigers GM job or, some, or something's going on because first of all, the main thing that came out of that article is that AJ Hinch does not have that magical opt out that everyone was saying. So, I mean, that was crucial to hear. So Hinch will definitely be around if he wants to be here. I mean, or wants to continue coaching next year. Um, but like, I mean, Javi, whatever, like scope. I mean, they might DFA scope. That's how bad he's been. Like he's been legit that bad. Either that he's literally at a two week period where he, was batting like 400 with a little bit of power. He had a home run last night, but yeah. didn't really matter. Um, I, I like this year's a wash at this point. We talked about it last year, we don't have to get into it. Um, but like Roosevelt basically saying, basically, the whole league doesn't think of allowed can build a whole roster. It's just basically putting a microscope nationally. What everyone has been saying here since he got the job, there was skepticism when he got it, there's still skepticism. He shouldn't be running this team at the tread deadline, like we say. We don't have to go over that again. Um, But literally all Al Avila can hope for is that Riley Green is literally like the Nets. I don't know. Tigers haven't had a prospect like from their farm system position player that was worth a damn since Cassiano. So, but for, for Avila to have some sort of like, calling card or something they, he needs green to turn into like some sort of superstar which i like what i've seen so far
1: no yeah, i have think too. That's... He's, he's had a couple errors but other than that it's like i think in his first eight at I... he had four hits two walks something like that like he he's been he's he clearly looks like a major league player even more so than torque did and i know collins and even rabs i think all three of us are on the same boat like riley green's gonna end up being the better mlb player not not a slight on torque at all just the Riley green is factually the number two MLB prospect in the whole league is what they were saying. So that I, I've been impressed as well. Go ahead.
2: Well, I don't, first of all, quick, I, you can come here off after of this. I, I said this when this happened, I don't love Riley green at center defensively. I don't it, either. Um, Good he's, point. I'm not saying he's a bad defender. He just, it's not like he's some sort of speedster or whatever. And they have other guys I think who can play center field better. I mean, if you want to throw him out there, if you got guys on the corners who are raking, whatever, yeah, I get that. But like, I think eventually you're gonna see him move to right or left field. I truly. Well, so can I that.
1: throw this out there? And I know Rabs, you got a lot of thoughts to get him, but I want to throw this out there because I think this is something you might agree with. I said about like two or three shows ago that my ideal like dream, if I fall asleep and have the best dream of my life, my my Tigers outfield on July 4th, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, is Akil Badu in center field. Riley Green and left and, and Austin Meadows and right, or some combination thereof. So I just want to ask you, like, what if if Riley Green isn't the answer in center, and I'm not saying he's not the answer, I'm just saying, like, to, to, to play off that hypothetical, which I think is a good one, who then do you want there, Akil Badu? Because they've got 11 outfielders, as Rabs has 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 pointed out more than once.
0: Well, I mean, for me, I, I, I don't, as far as defensively, I always am a big, and I no pun intended, but I die on the hill of Derek Hill because I think he's that good in center field. I think he's your fastest player. I think defensively he's the most sound. Um, I would probably put – Akil Badu has a decent arm too, but I just think Derek Hill has got the best feel for the position. Now – I have not heard a word of Akil Badu in several weeks. I don't know if he's not playing, if he's hurt. I, the Collins, do you have any idea? Is he hitting? Like, what's his, what's his deal? He has not
2: like? been good in Toledo.
0: Well, if that's the case, then I don't, I don't really have any interest in, in like, he'll be back up, up for this though. Yeah, he it's will. It. Of course he will. Because yeah. Cause you, that's a guy that you, I mean, not that you put all your eggs in his basket last year, but he had such a great year and, and obviously he had a tough start to the season and maybe the Tigers. Jump the gun slightly on sending him down because, you know, he did have a really, really bad start to the season. But, you know, after, I don't know, 30 to 50 at-bats, he goes down. But there's no need to bring him back up. And Well, yeah, because the, – the, Not hitting the, in Triple A.
1: The reason he went down is the same reason he won't come back up. As you mentioned, Rab, it's just like there's so many outfielders that it's like, okay, if you're the lesser of all the evils or, or the most of all the evils, I guess in this case, it's like we're just going to send you down. There's really no reason to bring you up unless – the Tigers have an 805th injury to their uh to their roster so that's all
0: yeah I mean I I look I I agree with the notion that I don't think that right it was like the same kind of deal of when when Torkelson was coming up like oh he's like he's gonna play third base and it's like why like I don't he's not I don't he played first base in college and obviously now he's playing first base exclusively but Riley Green too I don't I mean, unless I'm mistaken, I feel like he was a corner outfielder coming up through high school, and I feel like that's what he. I know he played center field a bit coming up through the minor league ranks, but I, I agree. I don't I, think that he has a, like a natural feel for
2: the center field position. I really don't. I don't. I don't think, and I, I'm not saying this. I don't think he's bad. It's like a Johnny Peralta type of thing, Ribs. Know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, he, I think he'll be solid. He actually no. He has a good arm. He does have a good arm. He is just not made a nice play a couple nights ago. He also made an error. Um, I'm just saying, I I, I think it kind of flipped. Last year when he went to Toledo, we were like, I think we're going to play him at center, which I was like, okay. That's something. Which is like, I don't know. I just, I eventually think he'll move over. I don't think that's that big of a conversation point. I think the thing is, he looks extremely comfortable. Him and Torkelson, as bad as Torkelson's been, green and him both have such a good approach that I'm not concerned about them long-term. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah, and, and, but I like greens. I mean, bat speed. I, I like his stroke a little bit more. I think it's more consistent. Um, But I mean, the approach at the plate's been good. I think he had like, what, three walks in the first two games he played.
0: Yeah. I think his first game, he was what, like three for four and, and got on base all four times or, or, or I'm sorry, two for three and, was on base four times or something of that nature so I mean taking taking walks is is obviously a positive sign just to get guys on the bases and um you know I it's I I I just think that he in the the scouting report all along has just been that he's just a true hitter like this like he can hit you know and and obviously with the way things have gone for the Tigers this year and especially for your rookie and Spencer Torkelson you're kind of you know, almost almost biting your nails a bit when Riley Green comes up. You're like, okay, is, is he going to get up to the same kind of shaky start, whatever, and he's been great. I think his batting average right now, which obviously means nothing in a handful of games, but he's batting like 471, and it just seems like he's – I mean, he's able to just put the ball in play. You know, I, I just don't – I don't see him as a guy that's going to swing and miss all that much and strike out a time because he's he's that good at the plate. He just finds a way to get the bat on the ball. I feel like he can spray the ball to, to all – all three parts of the outfield, which is, which is great. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I don't think we have enough of a sample size to do a deep dive yet, but it seems like the timing with Austin Meadows going down again, which sucks, but it's all kind of serendipitous. And you let Riley green come up and he was going to probably be up in the next week or two as it is. um, But the timing works out and he's been great. So again, do I think that he, do I think he's going to be a mainstay in center field? I'm, no, but he's going to be in that outfield for the foreseeable future. And you made a good point, Collins. Like we have not had as Tigers fans, a prospect. And I wouldn't even put Spencer Torkelson in the same category as Riley Green. I think people no, were they way are. more excited they for are. Riley Green, but well, I think people were more excited for Riley Green. And now, obviously the excitement I is still not, there.
2: But I, I don't know. I think they're in the same boat.
0: But they don't, but to your point, they the tigers historically do not develop any position player talent in their organization. So the hope is that these two guys are here to stay for the next decade or so. And it doesn't have to be one of those situations where we're looking at another rebuild in 10 years from now. Once this rebuild finishes up, whenever that may be, and we're looking at this thing 10 years from now, going, Oh, now we have to sell Riley Green and sell Spencer Spencer Torkelson. So it's been great so far. I don't have much else for the Tigers. I mean, Tarek Skubal hasn't been great in his last three starts. This is his first start at, at Fenway Park tonight. So, um, but you know, nonetheless, the Tigers are the Tigers. They're going to get swept by the Red Sox here, and and time is a flat circle. So, I guess all you can hope from here, as is, is we talk about every week, your scopes, your Grossmans. I don't even know. Can we talk about this real quick too? I was thinking about and just re- I know we didn't want to do a lot of Tigers today, but just to just as I was I was thinking about it, Harold Castro's been back in the lineup as of late. Do you guys have any feeling that the Tigers could potentially move Willie or Harold Castro? No. I don't know,
2: but that's actually, I like the idea of moving
0: Harry. Just because I, and I love, I love Harold. No, I like Harold too, but. I, they're I don't not gonna
2: be in contention. You got to be smart and think of what you can do in the next year. Yeah. And, and I don't think you're going to get a ton. That's like the thing. Well, here's. Yeah. Go ahead, Collins. I'll let you finish. Guys. I don't know. You'd probably have to package both of them or something like that. But Rams, I, I don't hate the idea. I, think I just at don't point know. At this I think scope is going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think, think they trade him.
0: He, lo- I mean, yeah. And I would like to think that for the sake of clearing, clearing out some of the outfield that you could move Grossman to, who's actually been kind of putting it together yeah. a bit. I just, I just think for me and, and you know, Collins, I, I know you guys, are not all that high on a guy like Cody Clemens. And really I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that. I think his ceiling's astronomically high. I don't think that you lose a lot if you move scope and let Clemens play second for the rest of the year. But my whole thing with the Castros is okay. Now with Riley green in the outfield, and if you have Meadows who's healthy and you're going to play Grossman, you know, while he's here um, and you still have to fold Victor Reyes in the mix. I just don't really know where they're going to get Willie Castro innings. And it's not like Willie – I mean, Willie Castro was hitting really well earlier in the season. By no means is he good in the outfield, and I don't think that his bat is going to be well, – at it, it, his average, when water finds its level, I don't think that Willie Castro's bat is going to justify him being in the lineup every single day. So I don't really know what you do with him. And, of course, my whole thing with, like, the John Keating of, well, you know he's an infielder. Well, if he is, you don't ever play him in the infield. And when you do, it's like, okay, you can play Willie in the infield – but based on how you roll the balls out with your lineup, you can't also play Harold in the infield. And like, now you got to, now you have a situation where you're looking at Jamer Candelario. Like what yes. the fuck? Dude? Like what, like, like at what point, at what point do we look at him and go, okay, maybe this is not your answer every day at third base. So, I mean, Harold seems like third base seems to be his spot on the infield. I think he can play a bit of first, you know, I'm in the camp that if you were to send Torkelson down, that's where Harold plays. That's who your first baseman is. But you know, Collins, I just look at it like, I don't know where you're supposed to get these guys in the lineup. And while I would love to see Harold Castro play every day, he doesn't really have a position on defense. Neither does Willie. And if we were going to talk about bats, Harold has the better bat than Willie. And I don't know if this is, if he's going to be able to replicate the kind of season he's having and, and do this consistently in this lineup to the point where you might look at a team that's in playoff contention, kind of needing a utility guy or needing a bat if there's injuries or whatever at the deadline, Maybe someone goes out and gets Harold, but that might, then my follow-up question would be, I mean, I have no interest in getting more arms. I think you're fine with arms. So if you're going to get, if you're going to get um, a bat, it has to be a true, like, okay, this is a guy that can play third base for the next five to eight years for the Tigers. Or this is a guy that can play second base. Yes, you know, I, it's got to be a position player. Who's like ready to play. Cause all these guys we yes. talked about last week, all the guys you look at in the Tigers, Top 30 prospects outside of Riley Green, who just came up, and Ryan Kreidler, who who knows what the story is on him. I'm sure you'll see him at some point this year. All these prospects, they're, they're like estimated date of arrival in the big leagues is like 2024, five. Like there's nothing, no one's close.
1: The big thing is, what are these guys worth and what are you targeting? Yes, you you nail it, Rabs, because it's like if we're gonna. If, if if the idea is to trade Harry Castro, and I love that we're calling him Harry. <laughs> Harry. If we're going to trade Harry Castro for, like, a pitching prospect and an infielder, I'm, like, out on that. Because I'm just yeah, – I I I'm, I'm, I'm so, like, well, sick of – I, I, I don't know how to even, like, begin to articulate this, but I'm just so sick of selling away talent that hasn't worked well for this regime to say the least. And it also hasn't worked well for the Tigers since 2004 when they brought in, I don't know who it was. The Tigers making deals and selling away these, you know, veterans for prospects just doesn't add up historically. And the other thing I want to bring in is this and Collins, I'll let you tackle the Harold Castro point. As far as Willie Castro goes, we are now staring down, He had a great 60 game season two years ago. Last year wasn't great. He was up and down. And then this year, we're kind of about at that 60 game mark where he's been phenomenal and he hasn't played all those games. I understand that, but I guess I'm just saying like is Willie Castro, a guy who maybe just kind of couldn't live up to the hype last year and he's actually just fine. And he can settle right in the problem that you then deal with as Rab's mentioned is, he doesn't really have a natural position. So then we're kind of chasing our tail here as the Detroit Tigers, where it's like, what are we doing? Yes. I, I want winning players and I want good hitters. And that's what both these guys are. But it's like, if they don't have a position to play, then yes, Rabs, I'm all for looking at a guy like Jamer Candelario or whatever, but Collins,
2: I'll turn it over to you. I don't know. I don't have much thought. I think, I thought that was a good idea. I don't, whatever you can get for Harry or Willie do what you got to do. I, I mean, I think Willie could eventually play second base if they tried that out. I mean, I agree. I, I agree. But at, at the end of the day, it's not like I'm going to be in tears if he's gone because guess what? They haven't – none of these guys have been that good. So it's not like any of these guys are untouchable. So I don't know. Collins, that's do you just,
1: understand why I have no reason to believe that anyone they bring over is going to be any good? Do you understand? Like that's where I'm no, at. I I get yeah.
2: that. But I also don't think – they're worth anything. No offense to Harold Tashro. I think Harold Tashro, could, you could probably get like a nice, maybe high upside or something like that guy that's pretty far away, but you're not going to get like some top tier talent for any of these guys. So I don't that's think better. it really yeah. matters. Right. So. Right. All right. All
0: right. That's enough tigers for me today. But if we want to talk about some top tier talent, Collins, Mo Sider, Woo! holy crap. I mean, look, I, the, the more you look at it as a hockey fan all year long. Um, Mo Sider was the clear favorite to win this, this award, obviously winning the NHL's uh, Calder Memorial trophy for uh, essentially the rookie of the year trophy in the NHL um, for whatever reason. And I would attribute this to just the fact of, of how much the NHL loves to just talk about Trevor's egress because, you know, he's flashy. He's got the hair, he's got the sick hands. And, you know, he pulls the Michigan move he's doing, he's in the all-star game doing shootout moves. He's, he's vocal young, like the NHL has pumped him up so much. And I I think that that scared a lot of people as like, oh, is he going to win the Calder over Mo Sider? And when it comes down to it and you look at the body of work, I mean, for, for Mo Sider to have the year that he did, and I believe he finished with 50 points. Um, and, and to really solidify himself as a true, and Steve Eiserman said it himself when he gave his comments about Mo Sider after he won the trophy. He, he is a true top pair defenseman in this league. And, 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 you know, just in watching him play every night, aside from the points that he put up, and I mean, to put up 50 points in your rookie season as a defenseman is, is impressive as it is but just the highlights of of just how good he is at using his body and the reverse hits and being able to keep guys to the outside. And he's so big and long and that sounded gross, but just being able to break up plays with his stick and and just so, just so complete. And it like, it, it it looks like he's almost not even trying because of how smooth he is and how confident he is with the puck. And you can play him on the power play, you can play him on the penalty kill he's great 5 on 5 and in playing in a really tough division where you're playing teams such as the Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs, Florida Panthers these teams with high octane offenses and just to be able to see him hold his own it was amazing like it, it's it was an amazing year for him and as much doubt as people might have had just because of the way that Trevor Zegras was talked about you know when it comes down to it, when you look at the voting Moe Sider had 170 first place votes. The next highest was Trevor Zegers with 15. So that just goes to show what people around the league and and people that are invested in the game think about Moe Sider and to, to have a defenseman like that. And if you want to continue to come back to this blueprint of the, of the Tampa Bay lightning and compare him to Victor Hedman, fine. I'm going to tell you right now, I am, believe it or not, I'm more excited to see Simon Edmondson next year than I am like, than I was the CMO cider. I really am. So the future is, is very, very bright. And just, just to kind of talk about, you know, Lucas Raymond for a second too, who ended up finishing fourth in voting. He actually did have one first place vote, which I thought was hilarious. Like good, good for him that he got one first place vote. Um, he finished with, I think 57 points, 23 goals. Um, Zegers finished with 61 points and Michael Bunting, who finished uh, third place in the Calder voting finished with 63 points. So, To me, looking at Lucas Raymond, who I I think the biggest uh, the biggest blemish on his resume was him being a minus 32 this year. And for a team that gets scored on all the time, um, there's a certain element of like as time has gone on, people look less and less at the plus minus um, category because it's like, well, there's there's five guys on the ice. You know, you can't just blame it all on one person. I I do think plus minus matters. I'm one of those guys that thinks like, Hey, if you're, you know, if you're a part of the play, when, when the puck's going in the net, granted some guys step on the ice for half a second, and get a plus, but if you're part of the play, when the puck's going in the net, awesome. And if you're part of the play, when the puck's going in your net, not great. So um, I, I, maybe some guys take it with a grain of salt, but that could have been as big as blemish, but Hey, to, to be, to be four points off the pace, of the guy that finished in second place. And I really attributed a lot to the fact that again, Zegers is this flashy American kid His English is a bit better. He's in the all-star game. He's pulling off these sick moves. I mean, Lucas Raymond had to carry a heavy, heavy load with the Red Wings this year, playing on that top line. He him being in the lineup and playing with Dylan Larkin completely improved Dylan Larkin's game. And another guy that can play on the power play and is very effective on the power play, just this complete player that understands the two-way game. He's got great hands. He's a sick playmaker. You've seen him be able to just fire off shots and put the puck in the net. I mean, to fill the net with 23 goals this year was awesome too. So I got to give props to Lucas Raymond. I I do think too. And, and if we're going to play this game, you know, Lucas Raymond finishes with 57 points. The kid's 19, 20 years old, Michael Bunting's 26 and finished with 63 points. So it's kind of that Kirill Kaprizov type of deal. Like he won the Calder last year as an older guy that was playing pro hockey in Russia. Michael Bunting has played several games in the NHL up until his official rookie season. That's just how the the, the rookie status goes in the NHL. So he had a great season and I know it's, you know, it's kind of a dull argument at this point to talk about his age. He did have a good season for technically being a rookie. I just think it was incredibly impressive for Lucas Raymond and Trevor Zegers to give him praise at the age that they came in the league and, and and to be able to have the impact that they did, but, you know, far and away Mo Sider had a, just a tremendous year. He's a pleasure to watch. And, and if you're a Red Wings fan and, and, we're still uh we're still a couple weeks away from the NHL draft, and we'll do the whole NHL draft thing here soon. But, you know, and, and it's before we roll into the NBA draft too, just to kind of bring these two things together, like Steve Eiserman, man. I mean, his, his first draft pick with the Red Wings was this Mo Cider kid. And he takes him at six. And even Mo Cider himself, sitting in the audience, is like when he's name when his name gets called at six, he's like, Oh my god, I- I'm I'm getting picked right now. And you know, you got the people and everyone trusts the Iser plan, right? Like Steve Iserman can do no wrong. And to be honest with you so far, he hasn't, but it's like, you look at, you you look at a draft pick like that and you're like, you just got the best player in the draft at six. And now you go to the Lucas Raymond draft and you're like, okay, you get Lucas Raymond at four. He might be the best player in that draft. Like as, as you look at it right now, as far as just, I think what he can project out to be and Simon Edmondson too. I mean, John, like seeing like seeing him play in the SHL this last year, all, all things considered, fingers crossed, God willing, knock on wood, he's going to be a stud too. So it's like, you know, everyone else in the city, like take notes as far as how you're drafting. And I mean, come on, like how can you not be excited if you're a Wings fan? Now they have to spend some money this off season because they're, the, they're going to have to hit the cap floor. But I mean <laughs> – I just think that, that you want to talk about sustainable talent and and not only do you have rookies that were good, they were great. And they're going to be good for many, many years, like really, really good. So all positive. And we haven't even seen Edmondson. We haven't seen Albert Johansson. We haven't seen Jonathan Bergeron at the NHL level. You haven't seen Sebastian Kos up here, um, between the AHL and NHL. So all things are great. Um, I don't know if you guys have things to add. I was gonna to touch on the coaching search for one more second before we do pistons, but
2: no. Um it's just the thing that's like sweet about like whole cider and just having a good year and looking like he potentially could be one of those cornerstone guys in the league, is that they haven't had a, a guy like that since Nick Ledstrom retired. Literally, it's been so long since and you can make the argument at Tron is peak kind of after. Lidstrom was gone. He was a pretty good defenseman, but he didn't really bring like anything on the offensive zone. I I right. really no, he was just more of a stale. Yeah, and you cider can kind of do everything, so it's exciting. So I'm excited for that. Um, I think my biggest of the wins is I literally have no idea what they're gonna do with their coaching search because it seems like Barry Trotz isn't gonna go anywhere. Um I might take the year off. I don't know what he wants to do, but you know what I mean? I just I have no clue where the winds though. And I could see maybe they go the old like Steve Eisenman playing, like maybe go for a younger guy, which I would like, I wouldn't hate that. I don't like a retread. You know what I mean? But I, 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 I don't know. I, we talked about it last week. I don't know if they go more established or they go more of a trendsetter. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean,
0: that was, and that's, you know, that's the one thing I was going to touch on before we roll into Pistons here and, I mean, as of today, so Paul Maurice, who was the uh, Winnipeg Jets coach last season, he actually stepped down during the year to take some time off. Um, He just, I'm trying to think of where, oh, Florida. So he goes, he goes over to Florida. He'll be the new head coach over there. Um, I I believe I kind of heard this like secondhand that, Gary Bettman might've made some comments about Joel Quenville and his potential t- return to the NHL. I don't think that Joel Quenville is, is going to be welcome back to the NHL this season. Um, I, I do think he will be back coaching in the NHL, but it's probably a bit too soon to bring him back in the fold after all the crap that went on with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and, and that situation. And, you know, kind of had to step away from him. Um, Andrew Brunette, who was the coach for the Florida Panthers who took over for Quenville was up for coach of the year. Um, and, and they've moved on from him, obviously, is with me just saying that Paul Maurice was uh, signed in Florida. I don't know if Brunette's going to stick around and be uh, an assistant coach over there or if he's going to look elsewhere. And I don't know how that works as far as, you know, because he's like the interim coach. Was he interviewing other places? I have no idea. I don't even know if that's on the radar for the Red Wings. Um, I think that I think the biggest knock for for him is yeah, the, the, the Panthers were unbelievable in the regular season. They scored a ton of goals. They won the president's trophy, but when it came down to it, you get swept to, uh, you know, with the hands of the Tampa Bay lightning and the whole thing, that whole series was like, Florida goes out every night and plays the same damn game and it didn't work four games in a row. And you're kind of looking at the coaching staff, like, is there any kind of adjustments you guys are going to make? Like, do you guys ever care to, to score on the power play? Like what's the deal? So um, I would I would say with, with all things considered here, I would love Barry Trotz. And I said this last week, whatever came out that the Flyers offered Barry Trotz a contract that was going to make him the highest paid coach in NHL history at seven million dollars a year and he turned it down. And you you, you you kind of think like, OK, so maybe it's Winnipeg because he's from there, but the fact that Winnipeg had like, you haven't really heard much on that side of things from like, I think he interviewed with Winnipeg, but who knows what's going on. So there are those rumblings Collins like, okay, well, maybe he's just not going to coach this year. And it's not like he's all that old. He looks older than he actually is. So, but maybe he's taking a year off. I don't know, which like he'll be back in the NHL. I think if, if this is just like a year to take a break, fine. I, I really think that either the Red Wings are, in serious talks with someone like Barry Trotz, and they're trying to figure out numbers and contract stipulations and whatnot, or and maybe this is just the cop out, but I really think it's like I think Derek Lalonde, like that or Lalonde, Lalonde, however, he, however he wants to pronounce his last name, but it just seems like the writing's on the wall, and I, I hate to use that cop out because it's like, okay, are we just going to be carbon copy Tampa Bay lightning? But you have to like, understand people at a certain point, you kind of have to detach Steve Eiserman from this lightning team. Like he hasn't been there for like, you know, a couple, like two, three, four years now, you know? So this team has moved on without him. And Julian Breezeball has done a tremendous job taking over the helm from Steve Eiserman. Yes. Steve Eiserman built the infrastructure of the team, That's just what he's, that's, that's, he knows the mold. He understands as a guy that played on championship teams and has built championship teams, he understands the mold of what it takes to win in this league. And especially in the age that we are now in the NHL, like he understands what the framework has to be. So I don't really read too much into the like, Oh, well, Siders his headband and Kosas his Vasilevsky. It's like, yeah, no shit. He's trying to build a good team. Like, why would you not, want to follow the same model that you used to, to, to build your to build yourself the Tampa Bay lightning. So like, I I don't think, I hope that people don't look at that kind of stuff and take it with like a negative connotation of, well, it's just the carbon copy team. And that's why he's going to go get LaLon. He hired Derek LaLon to coach on the staff with John Cooper Derek Lalonde has been everywhere. I mean, he's he's coached college hockey at Ferris State, University of Denver. He coached in the USHL. I think he might have won a championship in the USHL. He's coaching the ECHL. He coached in the AHL. I would like to think, I would have to go back. I don't know when Alex Tangay was coaching with the Iowa Wild, but I don't know. I wonder if him and Derek Lalonde cross paths because Alex Tangay is still under contract with the red wings. And he, when Eiserman hired him last year, he came from the Iowa wild of the AHL. I don't know if they ever crossed paths there, but I mean, who knows? I I could probably look it up in two seconds, but either way, um, I think that could be the guy, Jeff Halpern's the other uh, assistant coach. That's over there. Uh, in Tampa Bay, uh, he had a pretty good tenure in the NHL as a player. I don't know if he, by the way, probably one of the best looking guys behind the bench of all time. If you get a chance to check out Jeff Halpern tonight on the bench of this Tampa Bay lightning game, absolute stud, great thick beard, beautiful slick back hair, that orange hair. It's great. Um, nonetheless, not enough tummy sticks, but I, if it's, e- if it's either one of those guys, like fine, good. I mean, they, they've been a part of this. They're showing him on TV right now. It's gorgeous. But he, they've been a part of this coaching staff with the Tampa Bay Lightning that is familiar with this roster, familiar of, of the, the recipe that it takes to win, and the Red Wings are trying to essentially replicate that. So um, to have guys with experience like that and to, to have been in rooms with championship teams, why wouldn't you want someone like that over here? And there's a certain element of like – it almost feels like Steve Iserman can do no wrong. Like like who who is going to be the brave soul that's going to see the Red Wings hire Derek Lalonde and go – Oh, I don't like this hire. Like it's not going to be me like until something doesn't work out and blows up. Like I don't care. So I think that's probably the reason why it's taking so long. Um, The the NHL playoffs will wrap up before um, the the, the NHL draft gets underway. So I would imagine that when this series is over with whoever ends up raising the cup, um, I, I would imagine that you find out pretty damn quickly after that who the head coach of the Red Wings is going to be. And now is it a Barry Trotz it would be awesome, but I would have to think that it's Derek Lalonde. And once the, once the lightning either raise the cup or they go home to play some golf for the rest of the summer, um, you know, you're going to find out who that is and you're going to roll into the draft and, and get going. I think that's the other thing too. My last part here is given the fact that Eiserman hired Derek Lalonde and is so familiar with him and, and with the Tampa Bay lightning and how that team is built. I don't think there's going to be that much of a, a period of feeling out of like okay what does the coach want to do with this roster what does the gm want to build like they're on the same page they have to be i mean they've they've been a part of the same you know regime and and so i think that that learning curve is is, isn't going to be as is as stiff as you might think so um that's all i got for red wings talk we'll talk draft in the coming weeks and hopefully the uh red wings hire their coach here soon so we can talk about that um but without further ado, why we're here today on this podcast as we've been going for a while now. But, hey, uh, NBA draft is tomorrow night, the moment you've all been waiting for. The Pistons have the fifth selection in this draft. Um, I guess to, to start off, number one, did you guys see that Corey Joseph exercised his player options? Well, he'll be back. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Um,
1: that was very nice when I was uh, writing out my expected roster next year. I had to add Corey Joseph to the – what is Darcy
0: Pepper team? doing? Sorry, did someone just score? Yeah, Hedman. Oh fuck, thanks a lot. Damn it. <laughs> Damn. He scored like a he minute. He's he stinks. Um, wait, is it three one or two one? Two one. Okay, yeah, I just saw the headman goal. Um, either way, so today as uh it was funny because I was listening to the radio 97-1 the whole way home today from work, and I had to stop in a Walmart real quick. Uh, and as soon as I turned the radio off, I was on the phone with Trent for a second. And then boom, Jeremy Grant gets moved in the, in the whole day I'm listening to, yeah, it would be great if the, if the Pistons can trade Jeremy Grant and get that seventh pick from the Portland trailblazers. So when I see the alert on my phone that the Pistons traded Jeremy Grant to the trailblazers, I'm like, no way they got it done. They're going to have the fifth and seventh pick. Lo and behold, and Trent, I'm sure you have in front of you, I believe the, trade package and i think there's three teams involved but the detroit pistons send jeremy grant to the portland trailblazers in return they will swap second round picks this year with the trailblazers the pistons will now go from the 46th overall pick to the 36th overall pick the pistons will also acquire a 2025 first round pick and i believe they will also get a 2026 second round pick, one of Portland's two picks. That's the better of either Portland's pick that they own or the one that they acquired from the new Orleans Pelicans, whichever one's better. will go to the Pistons. So that's the package before we get into draft stuff. What do we think off the hop for me? I was like, what the hell? Like this is, this is nothing. It's
1: underwhelming. It's it's, it's underwhelming. And and the reason it's underwhelming is all we've heard for, I, I mean, over a year, over a year, and Collins and I have had the discussion of, like, do they trade Grant, do they not? We've both kind of been like, eh, on it. Because, like, you know, when he's healthy, he is 23 points a game. You know, like, he's good for the young guys. He's a good wing player. you are kind of at that point now where we'll get to it in a second here. In this draft, you're going to pick that wing player that's going to take his minutes. You're going to bring back Marvin Bagley, and you're going to let Sadiq Bay be the number three. I'll get to all that later. So I'm fine with trading Jeremy Grant. The problem is you got <laughs> – a very underwhelming package, in my opinion, because as you said, Rabs, all the talk was about how they could get the seventh overall pick from the Trailblazers. And when you and I, when you and I were on the phone earlier about it, and you found out that you know Jeremy Grant at the Trailblazers, you thought it was number seven, and eh, it's number, you know, it's it's a 2025 first round pick. So if you're like me, well,
2: it's, and, and you're well, another a too, it's person, Milwaukee's pick.
1: It's Milwaukee's pick, and they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I don't know, is probably the best player in the world. So, Collins, I'm sure you have probably broken down the nuances of this more than I have, albeit you played a softball game tonight, but that's how your brain works. You're just so good at working these trades out and
2: everything. I was underwhelmed. What was your reaction? Well, I originally, but I, my main thing that goes to it is they're not done obviously. I I will agree that. with
1: that. I will agree with that. I think it's draft capital for a future move. Go ahead.
2: I think it's more the fact that, and you already saw it tonight. There's rumors about Brunson. There's rumors about, I think they're all in on Aiden. They're going to give Aiden the max. So I hope, and I, I
1: hope they do and we'll get there, but
2: so oh, I know, I but it. I, this is, all this is, is a cap. It really is. I mean, the Pistons, I, I think, I, I, I can't. I didn't look at sports track because this happened like pretty like, recently. I gotta assume they gotta have probably top five Cavs facing the lead now. No, they do. And yeah, what
1: they're they gonna do, like 43 Collins, million. 43 million. What they're gonna do, Collins, is they're gonna roll that some of that money over to keep Marvin Bagley, who's a restricted free agent. Yeah, but he's, he's
2: not, not it, it, like Bagley's getting like a Josh Jatson deal. Yes, no, I guy I, guy. I
1: agree with you. That's what I was getting to. Then they're also going to throw the bag at DeAndre Ayton. I've heard some of the Mitchell Robinson. Robinson stuff, and, and Mitchell Robinson, which I hate. I would rather have DeAndre Ayton than Mitchell Robinson if that's the discussion. But all in all, dude, I here's the here's the here's the thing with Jeremy Grant for me, and I'll make this quick. I think it is to some degree addition by subtraction because what it means is you're 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 keeping Bagley. And you're hitting free agency, as Collins just alluded to. And those minutes they open up. Like Jeremy Grant.
2: What are you? Are you acting like they were not going to keep badly if they kept Grant? Well, no. Well,
1: it, well, let me get to it. It's money. It's minutes. It's all that kind of stuff. Because you got to remember, when Marvin Bagley came over, Jeremy Grant was shut down for the year. So I'm just saying, like uh, the, the the minutes open up. The minutes work now. Jeremy Grant was playing 31.9, so basically 32 minutes a game. Marvin Bagley averaged 14 and a half points with Detroit this season in his 18 games as a piston. That's his highest since his rookie season and he was 3 tenths lower than that number. So Marvin Bagley essentially maximized his I don't want to say maximized his potential because obviously he's got a ways to go there, but he what he did was he was able to recapture what he was as a rookie. And he was only playing, I want to say, like 25 minutes. So if you're telling me that he's going to get the Jeremy Grant minutes, which to some extent he will, he'll be around that 30 minutes a game mark, he can average 22, I think. I don't know. He was great with Cade in the pick and roll. He averaged 15 a game with Cade this year. So I'm just saying, and I know, Rabs, you're a big Bagley guy. That's what the Grant trade means to me. And we can talk about the package all day long. I was underwhelmed by it. But what I think is it means in the bigger picture, it's more – it's addition by subtraction, and it's to no fault of Jeremy Grant's own. It's just the where the team is right now. I like Bagley. I'm high on him.
2: I also I think people are just undervaluing. Like, I get like late first round draft picks are not like people have gone the whole way where it's like, oh, they don't mean anything. They still mean like having like the 20, like, sixth or 27th pick in a draft where you're probably gonna have like two first rounders on a team where you already have Cade Cunningham and something like that, and you're trying to build depth. Those picks matter. Having those picks do help. So I don't think the pick is like nothing. It's not like like an NFL draft where it's like, oh, we just traded, we just traded. Um, I'm trying to think of a name, Quandre Diggs, and it's like a first round pick because it's literally a salary dump. They got something. So I like I don't think the first round pick is nothing. Like everyone's like going on there. It's not a premier pick, but it's still something. Um, that's fair. Jeremy Grant, I, I the badly thing, I don't think they really are – they're not really similar players, but I get what you're saying because if you have Grant and, and, and you're playing this style of basketball, you got to play him at small ball four sometimes. And I'm under the assumption that they're going all in on Aiden. So if they – Agree. my first priority is DeAndre Aiden, which I think they should. I like DeAndre Aiden. I think there's been a lot of bad press about him and his attitude maybe. I think he was disrespected – that after a year where he was probably, I want to say, the second best player on an NBA Finals team, the way he played in the playoffs last year, and they didn't give him the rookie extension that he probably thought he deserved. And then that relationship that soured. And I, I understand why that happened. I But, like, I like Aiden. And people want to, like, say, like, all he does is just a pick-and-roll guy. He's, like, does that. He's had a decent mid-range. I think he can do more offensively. He was not asked a lot out of the Phoenix Suns. And he's still a young guy. And and at worst, you're getting a guy who's good defensively, has proven he can play in a playoff game and be productive in playoff minutes. And and you give yourself a guy who's a great Cade running mate. And we don't have to go all day about this. Yeah, we can. can I I want to discuss the draft more thoroughly because we haven't really done that. And we've talked about badly already, but I think that's why this deal's made. And the other names that have been mentioned: Miles Bridges, Jalen Brunson. I've already said I don't want Miles Bridges. I really don't. I love as much as I love Miles Bridges. I'm a Spartan guy. Um, I just think he's a weird fit on this team. A- and I-, I-, I generally think he is just one of those guys you pay a lot of money, and you're just like he kind of relies on his athleticism too much for my liking and I, I I don't know I hope he gets paid I just hope the Pistons aren't the one um I don't know he I, I could see a version where he just becomes like a 40 percent three-point shooter and a little bit of a slasher I like
1: any any of these players the thing is is when you have a guy like Cade you can entertain any of these thoughts because it's like no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then
2: and then you got another thought of maybe they go after Brunson which I think they're actually going to I bet they extend a qualifying offer. I mean uh an offer sheet to Brunson. I would put I like I would not be shocked if they do that. I just think Dallas is gonna re-sign them. So before all and, and, and I think another possibility is other than the Pistons matching Aiden and seeing if the Suns will what's it called match their offer. I think there's another thing where it's like maybe they just trade that draft pick they got yesterday, trade the fifth pick today, and they just skin Aiden. Because they don't even need to yeah. exalt, like, and, and know what I mean? I could see that just happening. Yep. So no, that's, that, a good, that's I think not a that's bad hypothetical. The trade means. I think the trade means that they're buckling up to make a big move. This wasn't the big move, and Jeremy Grant, I think, is a nice player, and it it, it just kind of seemed like he was always going to Portland. Yeah, but Portland's also not in a situation where they can just give up the seventh pick. Yeah, so they weren't ever going to give that up, and. The people were like, oh, they had way better deals. Yeah, they had way better deals when they had Jeremy Grant for two more years. He's in a contract year. Yeah. If they made this deal last summer, probably get more. Maybe get a lottery pit for him. But guess what? That's not what they decided to do. And, like, at this point of his, like, tenure in the Detroit Pistons, I think it's a decent trade. And especially if they're going out and getting Aiden or getting another, like, impact guy. I'm not going to say it's a great trade. It's a necessary trade, and you had to do it. Like, Jeremy Grant, they decided he wasn't a part of the future, offload his cap, get another first-round pick that you can help in the future, and it gives you an opportunity to go out and spend even more. So I don't, I don't hate the deal. It just depends. This is a very contingent on what they do after.
1: Yep, and we're going to find out real quick. And I guess on that, with that, Rabs, do you have, like, a segue you want to drive us into the draft, or you want us to just go?
0: Yeah, well, I, my, my segue here and, and to kind of backtrack just to, just a step, you know, I it, it just seemed like for the longest time we were clearly misled that the market for Jeremy Grant was a lot stronger than it ended up being. I don't know what the Pistons were offered for Jeremy Grant. I don't know if they had any ability to offload Jeremy Grant for a first round pick by from any team in this year's draft. But nonetheless, the trade gets made. And I think it was a necessary thing to do because I think that your value for Jeremy Grant, or his value rather, is the highest it's going to be. It's only getting lower after draft night, if that makes sense, in my opinion. So oh, my sure. question my my question to you guys would be, as we kind of roll into the draft here, do you think that this, and I guess we can look solely at this 2025 first rounder, because the crazy thing about the NBA is like, You'll see teams trading out, like, the 2027 first-round pick, 2026, 2020. Like yeah, These no, things like, the, don't even exist. And the they, NBA they is the, – They have the, value.
1: It, it's the biggest panic league of all time, and I mean, I mean that in, like, a good way. I mean, I, they're all it's about – it's all about blockbuster deals. It's all about get me good now, and, like, you know, there's only a handful of teams, and the Pistons have been one of these teams over the past few years that just lay low. So, it's kind of nice to see the Pistons get involved a little bit in some of this kind of thing. So, I don't know. Rebs, I agree with you. I know exactly what you're saying. That's why it's hard to get up for a deal like this because it's like, Jeremy Grant was a 23 points per game guy, nice guy, going into a contract year, cool. But I get a 2025, you know, first-round pick, and that kid right Right. now is 16 years old, and, and, you know, he's enjoying an ice cream cone and and, and some summertime. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So it's just,
1: I get what you're saying. It's hard to get up for it. But as Collins' point, I think Jeremy Grant's trade value was highest last offseason. You can argue whether or not Troy Weaver dropped the ball there because he still was factually a fringe all-star who you're bringing Cade Cunningham in. It's like you don't really want to deal a guy like that. So the Pistons found themselves in this weird spot. I was underwhelmed by the deal, but ultimately, I mean, like to all the points Collins laid up, Collins, that was great by you, by the way. Like I think ultimately it was the most the Pistons could have gotten, whether or not they were, we were misled about what his trade value was. So that, that that's just the bottom wow. line for me. Now you're looking at draft night tomorrow or tonight as our, as our listeners listen. And it's like, this is the night. Are they going to make another move or what are they going to yeah, do? So that's, are that's they going my, to trade out of the question. first round to
0: Collins point? Are they
1: just trying to get DeAndre Ayton? Th- these questions are going to be answered in less than 24. So it'll be. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of my question to segue us into the actual draft is, what do you think of the possibility is? And and I guess what would your feelings be if they were to use And I don't know what it would take, but if they were to, let's say, use this, 2025. first, they move up 10 spots in the second, they use that pick, and they package things together. Like, are you interested in the Pistons moving up into a spot like that's, that's close to where they are at five? Are you interested in them just moving up back into the first round in general? Are you interested in the Pistons packaging these things and their fifth overall pick this year and moving up to four? Like, what would you like to see them do with their picks before we get into who they're actually going to be selecting?
2: I, I just want to do this real quick. If the Pistons pit Jaden Ivey, and I don't – the people who want Jaden Ivey did not watch Purdue. Collins, After I'm that, so I, – I, I, I will let I you just, go. I, I'll I, let I, you go. I just want this I, on the record. I am so glad, glad you're Ivy saying this. He's is going to be a good NBA player for at least five years because athletically he's beyond gifted. He can get to the rim on almost anyone. He's going to have a successful career. With the fifth pick in the draft, I'm not picking him because guess yes! what? It's just, I, I just, I don't understand. Like, and then I, it's turned into this whole thing. It's like, oh, his Purdue offense was really, really clustered. And uh, and they ran high pick and roll for him all the time. Yep. They ran high pick and roll for him all the time. I get that they threw it into Edie all the time. That also got him good looks. I don't believe his jumper I just don't understand this whole Like, oh, Ivy at four can you could argue he could be in this class of them? I just really don't understand that. And you would think that, like, the compete level on a kid like Jaden Ivy, I didn't love to be no, honest. I didn't, either. Saying, I didn't either. I'm not saying he's gonna be awful, like, I like he is so physically gifted, he will be successful in the NBA for some period of time. I just don't like the draft pick. And for anyone who wants to move up. Four, I don't understand that because I really don't see the difference. And a guy like Jalen Duran, or not Jalen Duran, excuse me, um, Benedict Matherin, yeah, like Benedict Matherin, or like I I don't like, yes, like Keegan Murray's a super safe pitch. I think he's another guy who it might be a little bit too safe at five because at this Pistons organization, you want to take a couple swims and, and pushes the next level and what fits in, like, I just really. And people are like, oh, it would be a really dangerous combo with, like, w- with it Ivy it, it and, wouldn't. like, it, it, I get that, but I, I but don't it see and the just blind belief that Ivy is going to have this jumper. I don't like his jumper. I really no, don't. Collins. And, I,
1: you're, you're, you are teeing me up here, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I no, – go ahead. I, I know. Just, I,
2: people you, who want to talk about how good Ivy is and what he could be, I'm not, you know what, guess what? He probably has the highest ceiling out of any of the guys at the fourth pit in the draft. I'm not lying to you. I just don't, like, the people who are so dead set, like, oh, I need Ivy. I need, like, go watch, like, watch full games to Purdue. Like, watch games where lesser guys kind of get into him. A.J. Hogard dominated Jaden Ivy when they played in the Breslin. A.J. Hogarth is a flawed player, and he's a good player. I'm just saying, like, I watched I, I watch Shane I play terrible at St. Peter's in a game that should never have been close. So, I, I like, I don't like some of the other stuff with Ivy. not even just, like, his jumper and stuff. Like, I think he'll be good. Like, I'm not saying, like, this guy's right. going to suck. I'm not saying, like, this guy has no shot at being a good NBA player. I don't understand people, like, we need to move up to get this guy. Because I don't necessarily see. Well, hell no.
1: Definitely not
2: that. No, but people are saying that, Trent.
1: And I know. I know. And I think that's why Ravs brought up this question and phrased it the way he did. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is because people are talking about. Who has the fourth pick, Collins? Is it the Sacramento Kings? Yes. And people people are talking about how the New York Knicks and maybe the Detroit Pistons are going to move up to four to draft Jaden Ivey. I have so many problems with it for a lot of the reasons Collins laid out, so I won't Beat the dead horse. Here's what here, here's the thing about Jaden Ivey. Dude averaged 17 points a game, five rebounds, and three assists last season, playing 31 and a half minutes a game. You know what the number that sticks out to me is? Three assists as a ball dominant point guard. And you want to stick him what you, you want to stick him with Cade Cunningham after Cade Cunningham just said, and by the way, Rabs. I didn't get a chance to say this, but congratulations to Mo Sider, of course, because the Calder Trophy is actually one that people hold in high regard, like the NHL writers and the people who vote on this actually care about. Not like, oh, you know, LeBron James won Rookie of the Year in 2003 over Mello, even though Mello went to the playoffs and had better numbers, but we gave it to LeBron because of the eye test. And then in 2022, it's like, oh, no. Uh, Scotty Barnes went to the playoffs, so we're going to give it to him instead of Cade Cunningham. It, it, it's nauseating. I, I I don't put any stock into that kind of thing. My point is this, Jaden Ivey, you want to give this guy the, the ball for 32 minutes a game with Cade Cunningham, who we you're already saw. Right, Tra-
2: you're right. He's not a good passer, too. And,
1: and we already – that's the thing, Collins. is like I'm just alarmed. You look at, like, the other great – Point guards. I know Jaden Ivey isn't technically a point guard, but he had the ball all the fucking time. You look at like all these great point guards that have come through, even just take the Big Ten for the last like five years, like Cassius Winston, uh, Iota Sumo. These guys are averaging at least like Carson Edwards, even same school. These guys are averaging like six assists per at least double what Ivy's doing. He's a ball dominant guard who's just going to come in here and take touches away from Cade. And I think that's the worst thing you can do, especially when. We just went through the experiment of, oh, let's try to play Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes at the same time. We saw it in the summer league, how that wasn't going to work. And by by the way, summer league starts in, I think, like two weeks. So that'll be fun to watch. But it's just like – I, I think I think so. I don't know I why he – I don't know why he wouldn't. I hope he does. But anyways, all I'm saying is like – there's also the there's also the argument about like Big Ten players don't work. And I guess this kind of segues into my Keegan-Murray thing, Collins, because I want your thoughts on this. But to me, the argument should be ball-dominant guards from the Big Ten don't work because you look who has worked from the Big Ten in the last five, ten years. It's Miles Bridges. It's Jordan Poole, who just won a championship. It's Jaron Jackson Jr., who was just – uh, a cornerstone on the two seed in the West. It's Franz Wagner who just made all rookie first team. You look at the guys who haven't worked. Oh, Michigan, Winston. Michigan
2: State guys. Yes. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, sure. Yeah, everyone, everyone from Michigan, Michigan State. Cassius Winston. God love him. It's like you know, he's a four year player. It is what it is. Iota Sumu. We'll see what's any IU I was guard. Iota's good, but he's like a wing. Okay, but Collins, you'll agree with me that like any IU guard hasn't pan out. So it, it's it's more about to me. the 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 big i didn't even throw in xavier tillman another msu guy go green but it's just like the the narrative around like big 10 players not working in the nba i don't really subscribe to that i think it's more of a guard issue and that's when i want to lean into keegan murray unless you have any more thoughts on Jaden ivy
2: i you made a good point about ivy that i just i think it's being lost on the whole idea of like Oh, they could be a fun. T- I I get it. I get what you're trying to say. You have two guys who can handle the ball, who can both get to the rim. Because I used to be able to get to the rim. Yeah, he really yep. is. He's athletically gifted. He's a lot bigger than you're saying, Trent. Like he sits, sits has a pretty big wingspan. Sure, like he can play a little bit of that. I just don't trust the jumper. And one of he the th- flops a lot. A it's lot. not even that. It is He's for me. Not- he. He will be a guy who gets the line like six or seven times a game, which is a really consistent thing. Will he, nice. though?
1: That's the thing. We saw, no, like, he with will. The, he will. But, he but Collins, the with, with the rule changes, we saw what happened to James Harden. I'm just saying, like, it's like he's it, not.
2: He, he is one thing I really like about Jaden Ivey. There's a reason he's projected going to top five. I just don't. I, I, I personally don't want the Pistons to. One thing I like about him, he goes to the rim, he will. He's got a little like John Moran in him, like where he goes to the rim. He tries to murder people. Yeah. At the rim, which I like. And he gets a lot of foul calls. Pretty sure he's a pretty good free throw shooter, which usually indicates what NBA teams look for. Like they don't necessarily care about the three point stroke. If your three throw percentage is over 75%, because they believe there's something good in there that they can coach out of you. I, I'm just telling you from the ISIS and watching him this year on a team that was Talent-wise, was superior to almost every team in the Big Ten, and consistently, the compete level on the defensive end was not there. Yep, he agree. He an agreed. awesome defender, and he was a, a turnstile and one of the worst, like help side defenders Purdue had this year. And, and I just don't subscribe to the fact it was all the offense it was all pain. They ran so much high pick and roll with Ivy.
1: Yeah, no, that's that it that's it all and, they did. That's
2: all they and did. And they, they act like they just tossed it in the Edie all day. They ran a lot of pick and roll with ED too. I don't yeah. I, I just I don't subscribe to that. And I think a lot of NBA guys who don't watch a of College basketball, they'll watch a couple of games and they'll watch all this stuff, and they don't like I think they ran a lot more NBA concepts than they think. Like he had the ball in his hand all the time. Sure. I, I I that's my last thing Ivy. I don't want him on the pistons. I don't I either. Just, it's, I think it's a weird pick. And if you're to be honest, I think it's like it's not a swing. I know what Ivy's gonna be. He's gonna be a guy who can get to the rim. Agree. He's be a guy who can probably average like 15 points in a league. And you hope he becomes into a good defender and his jump shot comes it's along. just
1: it's not what you need. I
2: don't think it is. It's, and it's I not, just that's just me. No, I, I wouldn't college. take that at five. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that at four either. But um Keegan Murray, I like Keegan Murray. They're I mean when they played the Michigan State. That's arguably one of the best games I've seen someone play against Michigan State in Iowa City this year. Just complete game. There's been higher prospects, better people but like when they played Michigan State, I was like, holy shit. They can't even, they have no one to guard this guy. He's in step back 15 footers, getting to the rim whenever he wants, hitting threes, catch and shoot. Like he looked awesome. I like Keegan Murray, but this is another thing. At the fifth pick, it, 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 as a Pistons fan, I just, I would find it hard to believe Troy Murphy and his philosophy them taking Murray. If they took Murray, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. And to be honest, if they took Ivy, I, I, I'm probably gonna buy in. But I just went on the record. I don't want him. I truly no, I'll be, don't. I, 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 I will second
1: pick. that. I will second that. I do not want Jade and Ivy. I will find oh, a yeah. way to twist it. I will find a way to be cool with it. As you guys know, I no, so often do.
2: A, uh,
0: yeah.
1: I do not I, want Jaden Ivey. I will have that on the record with you, Collins. I,
2: I like the idea of them drafting another win because I think you've seen in the NBA, you just need wins. You really do. That's like nope. all like. You your have your you really- have your
1: ball dominant guard. You have your cerebral like floor general. Yeah.
2: Have that. And Give you them do a do wing. Me.
1: You also have a a bona fide number three and 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 Sadiq Bay. And I know you agree with that, Collins. Like. Can he be a number two? I don't know. Maybe like 30% chance. Can he be a number three? He could be a number three tomorrow. So, so, oh, it's but like-
2: yeah, I, and Murray's not a guy who's gonna, I, I, I see a scenario where Murray, I, I it's trying of, he's kind of hard to comp, but he, his game is kind of like a poor man's Jason Tatum. He's not as big obviously, but that's just kind of like, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the most explosive he's a good jump shooter. He gets to his spots. He's long. He's lengthy. The one thing I like about him, he's a tough little shit on the defensive end and uh, on rebounding. He's a good rebounder from just a pur- purely eye test, which I do like. Um, but I don't, this is going to sound like another person I don't trust any person who went to Iowa. And that's that fine.
1: Way. That's fine. I guess my, that's, just my like, that's like a me problem. That's and Collins. We, we all have problems. That's okay. I, my, my, uh my profile Keegan Murray to make this quick is I think a lot of the reason that people are rolling their eyes at this guy, which I think is absolutely hilarious is he's that old. He, he's going to be 22 when the season starts. Oh, bro, yes. he's younger than me. He's, he's going to be 22 when the season starts. People are like, Oh, you know, back away from that guy. He averaged 23 and a half points, almost nine rebounds, one and a half assists. And here's the kicker 55% from the floor. In his sophomore season. And I think the big thing there is it shows his versatility. As you mentioned, Collins, it's kind of hard to give him a comp. And the way Iowa played basketball this year was kind of weird, but you can just score in a multitude of ways. I think he's the most versatile guy Detroit could take, to be honest with you. You can play the two through the five if you really wanted to in small ball. He's 6'8 and 215. He can absolutely play small ball center in today's league. And I, I, will, I will I will, end with this before we move into Benedict Matherin, Collins, if that's the direction you want to go. Oh, yeah. Because I, oh, I want to yeah. get Rabs in the mix. I know that's his guy. I think Keegan Murray would be the most meh pick out of all the – I got four guys here the the, the, the Pistons could take. Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Ben Matherin, and Shadon Sharp. I think of all four, Keegan Murray is the most meh guy. Like, eh, all right, we got him. Kind of like Hutchinson was, but it's safe. I think he can walk in the door at average a dozen points a game – and be, you know, a, a a fringe, maybe first rookie, first all team rookie NBA, whatever you want to call it. He, he could be a top five rookie in the league walking in the door because he would start because I, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to get too long winded here, but when you look at this roster now with, with, uh, with Jeremy Grant gone, it's like there's one small forward that's listed on the roster at Sadiq Bay. There's, there's only two shooting guards on the roster that are listed. It's Hammy Diallo and, and Frank Jackson. So it's like, there's room there. There's minutes there. And 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 grants gone and whatever. I'm I'm rambling. So I want to get rabs in the mix on, on, on Benedict Matherin. And, and I'm sure as as this show does with guys like Robbie Grossman, we eventually call him Bob Grossman. And you know, this Bobby, guy, we would eventually call him Benny Matherin. He's 20 years old. He averaged 18 points, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists on 45% last season at Arizona as a sophomore. His production went up in every category since his freshman year, which I understand you expect that, but he's not a ball dominant player. And this is where I really this is where I really, really, really spring up for this guy. He's 6'6, 2'10. I'd give him a comp of Miles Bridges. I know Miles has like 15 pounds on him, but they kind of play a similar game. Not a great three-point shooter, but can definitely shoot it. They'll make you respect it. He's part of a winning culture in Arizona, unlike Murray or Ivy, where either one of their schools came from. So that's the that's the leg up for Benedict Matherin, and that's actually the number one pick for me, who I want. Uh, not number one pick in terms of who should go number one in the draft. You get what I'm saying. My number one choice for the Pistons. And so I guess, Rabs, let's throw it to you first. Like, you like Benedict Matherin. Why?
0: Well, I do, and I, I think that as, as time has gone on, it, it sounds like in the last couple of weeks – um, it, it seemed like the answer became clear with all these mock drafts of Ivy was going to go four and at five, now you're sitting at like, okay, so Benedict Matherin's the pick. So I won't, I won't sit here and, and, and lie to you and, and tell you that, me wanting Benedict Matherin has, has been like my original thought all along. Like to me, it was like, yeah, Jaden Ivy would be cool. Shade on sharp too, who we haven't talked about at all, which I think that you guys might have a couple pieces on too, has been a name that's been, that's been kind of hovering around five. So out of those two guys, I would have probably told you, I would have wanted Jaden Ivy, but you know, as, theme, as, as things kind of clear and who knows what these insiders hear and what they don't, um, it seems like a lot of these mocks have Matherin at five, which, you know, you, you kind of look into it a bit more and it's like, okay, like that's, that to me, if you're going to, if you're going to look at between him and Ivy, I think if they're both there at five, I personally would rather have Benedict Matherin just, and, and not to knock on Ivy and I'm not going to, you know, I, I watch a lot of big 10 college basketball for sure. And I know I, Jaden Ivy is an incredible athlete. and He's an incredible basketball player. I just think that, as you said, the, the key that you said there, Trent, is he's not a ball-dominant player. And that's the, what this whole thing comes back to for me. And it's a big reason why I don't want Keegan Murray, because to me, I I just think that this, this draft should be about finding a guy that can play with Cade. And, and I think Killian Hayes can be a great rotational player for this team. I think his ceiling might be higher than people give him credit for because he's still so young. But he can be a great rotational guard for this team. As far as putting someone with Cade that can play the two, that can you know he can can shoot off of the screen and 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 you know I think is just a, a really nice athletic player. Like Benedict Matherin, to me is that guy and fits that mold way better than Jaden Ivy does. Like I think that a lot of Jaden Ivy's going to have to be one of those guys that obviously you know given his track record at, at Purdue, like the offense runs through him for the most part. You guys all already went through it, but. Um, as you said, Trent, you know, to me, I think that he's probably a more consistent shooter that I think is going to probably translate a bit easier to the NBA game than Jaden Ivey. And, and and the the thing for me, like, i and just kind of looking into stats, like, Yes, he's gone up in all of his categories as far as his point averages and assist averages and whatnot. His shooting percentages were down a bit, and maybe that's because he was just shooting at more volume. I mean, he went from playing 25 minutes a game in the 2020 to 21 season to playing uh, 32 and a half minutes a game. Uh, his field goal percentage was about the same, but his three point shooting dropped from 41.8 to Percent to 36.9. So if you can show me a Benedict Mathurin that can shoot 40% from three and can shoot 45 ish percent from the field, like I'll take that all day long. And I think that's another guy. And just watch not that I watched a ton of Pac 12 basketball during the regular season, but Arizona was my team that I thought was going to win the national championship this last year. And just watching Benedict Mathurin play, like he had the ability to legitimately just take over games, just get to the hoop at will, and just score the basketball. And I think that he's kind of got that from based on the eye test. Like he just kind of has that motor of like he can just go, go, go. And I think that he's going to be a nice compliment to to Cade Cunningham. Like that to me is why I don't need Murray because I think that in this draft, where assuming at five, you're going to have the choice of Sharp or Ivy or Matherin you have to just at least try to to, to let one of those guys play with Cade. Like, I I don't think that your premium position at this point is, you know, we're going to take Murray and he'll be a nice piece of this rotation. Like, I don't think that anything about him screams superstar game changer, like is going to progress the rebuild. To me, the best way that you progress this rebuild is you find a guy that can play with Cade that complements his game. And Benedict Mather doesn't have to be the guy. He can play off the ball. And I just think he's, a, I think he's a really good athlete. And, again, and we're watching him play some games where things got tight in the tournament for Arizona, and, of course, they didn't make the run that everyone thought they were going to, but, I mean, they, he, can, he can play. Like, he can put the ball on the floor and score. And if, if he can kind of get those shooting numbers back to where he was a year prior to this, and you saw the percentages he can shoot at at that 42% from three and, like, 47% from the field, I mean, I'll, I'll take it like that. And it's, it's funny how things worked out and I don't know where Matherin was originally mocked to go before all these things moved. And it's like, okay, maybe the Kings probably are taking Ivy and now other teams are squirming because they want Ivy and are the Kings going to trade out a four to get a veteran? Who knows? So I, I, I would be 100% happy with Benedict Matherin and I think Benny Mack is going to be a piston. That's my guy. I, I would trade him yes. Bagley like B. U. Sadiq. Sadiq. Yes. Wow, and and, and, and it off the and
2: bench thing with Bagley being like the, the second yeah, I love
0: Bagley. He'd be I a starter.
1: He, he,
2: okay, I just okay, love okay. guys. I, don't I love guys that are in a bad situation
0: getting show. a change of
1: scenery.
2: That's like he's a future. I know. Fair, I love the of scenery, guys. Here, here's That's what I'll say.
1: Here's what I'll say, Collins. I need you to close this out because I know we're winding down here, but I just need to say. Rabs, I completely agree with you. Benny Matherin is my number one guy I want the Pistons to take. My second is Keegan Murray. That's all I got. But this next guy, on Sharp. I got this big detailed sheet here, color-coded, everything that I prep for the show as I do every week. For on Sharp, I have written down that he is 6 foot 6 inches tall and 200 pounds, and then I have Collins in all caps with a bunch of question marks because I need Collins to fill in. I, I need you to drive here, my friend.
2: Well, he can shoot it, and he can score. Like, he's a scorer. Big guy. um, Probably, at the high school level, probably the best natural scorer in his class. Um, I believe he was ranked number four in ESPN 100. Um, I don't know. The thing with him is you got to be a little bit patient with him because it's going to be – it's truly going to be a long time before he is able to contribute at a – Huge level. The one thing, I, I, if you want to take a swing, I'm not opposed to doing this. I really am not. And and, and, and the thing about it with you signing Aiden, that speeds up your timeline a little bit. That's true. Which makes you want to think. And I'm not saying like this pitch is supposed to be. I, I'm in the Ben Matherin camp because I just like his motor. I think he fits this culture really so, so well. So we
1: all three, we're all
2: three on Ben Matherin. Yeah, so I like Ben bathroom. I, I just, I like what he would, I like how he fits into this roster. And when I don't think see that big of a gap in the players, I would rather go with the best fit, which I think he probably is. Um, the one thing about Shaden Sharp, he I think him and Ivy are two huge ceiling guys. And Troy Weaver is a guy who I think is comes from that OKC cloth where they, they're going to take the guy with the big ceiling. I don't think, and I think Matherin has a pretty big ceiling, too, to be honest. Um, I Honestly, I don't see a scenario where the Pistons draft Keegan Murray. I tr- I, I truly I, don't see a scenario. You
1: know what? I don't either, Collins, because I'm like 90% in on – I, me personally, I'm like 90% in on Matherin, and then I'm like 10% in on some weird shit happens It's like Shadon Sharp. I don't think they're taking Murray either just because they don't really need like the big man type thing. If, if they are committed to Ayton – and again, we'll we'll get to this whole conversation again. But I guess we should we should close this out. Like gun to your head, who are they taking at five tomorrow?
2: Gun to my head, I actually think they're going to take Jaden Ivy because I.
1: You, so you don't think he'll be available? or you think he'll be available at five? He's not going at four.
2: I I just some way or another, I think we end up with Ivy, okay. I and mean, I I just just dis- disagree with it. Um, the thing about it is. I think Sacramento is going to pick Ivy and then they're going to trade him during that during the draft. Okay. Because there's no reason for them to have Ivy. He's such true. a weird fit. Like, I, if you're Sacramento, you have to trade that pick or uh, and, and do something else.
1: Well, here's what I would do. I, and, I, again, I don't mean to, like, prolong the conversation by a million seconds. I'm just saying, I, I would let – Dude, let the Knicks come up and get him. Like, who? Yeah, but I don't – fucking Knicks? Let the Knicks come
2: really to give them. Like if you think Ivy's his generational player, they Knicks don't really have anything to give them. They have a sign and trade, pieces. sign and trade with Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson isn't that good. I'm so, Dude, like, sorry, People think he is though. <laughs> I by the way, the Pistons signing. I'm like that's another guy. Here. It's like cool. He puts all these numbers. Does it yeah. he really help you winning?
1: No, he's literally Andre Drummond. I would hate that. Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, Should he's wait. better. I mean, he's better defensively than Drummond was. So Colin says, a better offensive player. But Colin um, says,
1: one way or another, Jaden Ivey rabs. Do you disagree at all?
0: As far as who I think they'll take, like, like,
1: gun to your head, who you think they'll take?
0: I, I, you know what? I, I do think that they will take Benedict Matherin. I, I would like to, I, the one thing that I love about all these Detroit teams right now, except maybe the Tigers, and baseball is a bit different because it's like less of a team aspect in a way, but. I think all of the GMs in this city, especially again, Lions, Lions, Red Wings, Pistons, culture is huge, and I just think that Benedict Matherin, with his motor, work ethic, I, I for whatever reason I can just see he just fits that mold of the Pistons. Where to me, like again, Jaden Ivy is a guy that's just a, a true ball dominant guard, and you kind of, like you kind of heard some things during the season if he wasn't a great teammate, whatever like. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think that Benedict Matherin, if Ivy's there and they take Matherin, I would fucking love it. Because that to me is like, this is our guy. Like Troy Weaver's like, we have the option to take Ivy, but we're taking Benedict Matherin and we're moving on. And Like, this is who we want. I would love it. I would like to think that, It would be great to see the Kings trade out of four just for the sake of drama tomorrow. But it just like in all these mock drafts, the Kings are staying put and taking him at four, which like, I don't give a fuck about the Sacramento Kings. Pardon my French. They can do whatever they want. I would love Ivy to go at four. So it almost like forces your hand to take Matherin and you can't really do anything about it. But again, I would also love if they, if they had both of them there and they went Matherin, like you have to take a guard. It's one of those two guys or, I don't know. I would love to see where Shadon Sharp goes. I really
2: would. Like, I have no idea. I have no feel. Tomorrow's going be Who draft. Knows? NBA draft is sneaky become. The, the thing that sucks with the NBA now, the best part of the NBA is not even, like, the games. It's, like, the whole drama aspect, and that's yeah. why. This year's draft season. is going to be
0: great tomorrow. No, that's why great. the
2: regular season has suffered. But, like, sneaky, the M- NBA draft in my book is better than the NFL draft. Now.
1: Agree. 100% agree.
2: NFL draft is too much going on now, which whatever. I mean, and the I, the one thing that the NBA draft does way better than NFL draft, the draft is a week after the finals. Yep. It's yep, fantastic.
1: No, Collins.
2: I I Collins. I literally the NFL just... needs to figure out their draft and move it up about like a month. It's way too late in the year.
1: I was sitting at work the other day, Collins, on Monday. And I saw or not it wasn't no it was yesterday it was Tuesday and I, I saw that that it, I saw a post by like some Pistons page I follow there like the NBA draft is two days away I was like holy shit like what so that's great and of course I've I've got my Kate Cunningham you know number one overall NBA seventy five draft hat on I'll buy the one this year as is tradition I have bought the draft hat every year since Luke Kennard. so uh, we will keep it moving uh, Rabs there was something I wanted to say to you and I forgot oh no damn it Come i don't on. know i don't remember oh oh no what i wanted to say was since i didn't get a, I didn't get a chance during red wings and i'll I'll make this my last like thing and then i'll show yeah. up uh you deserve some flowers because you've been on this like you know most cider thing for months and it just kind of seems like it all came to fruition perfectly you even mentioned the trevor zegras thing way back and i want to say it was like january about how
0: like yeah just People an absolute love suck guy double like, wristers suck fast yeah
1: yeah yeah. It's, and it's just like dude on <laughs> paper who's the better player it's most cider that's all yep. i got to go oh, from draft to uh to, to to rabs but um yes yeah. i'll shut up well
0: now. no we're all good the, the draft is tomorrow folks or as you're listening to this hopefully today um and the pistons are at five as of now i i you know, I like you were just kind of saying the NBA draft seems to have that little bit of drama. You don't know who's doing what. Picks are flying. Players are flying. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think the bigger story for the Pistons is going to be what happens in free agency. Um, you know, it, 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 looks like, it looks like DeAndre Ayton is going to be, I'm saying going to be a Piston, as in the Pistons are going to offer him whatever they can, whatever the max is. And, you know, I would think that he would – I don't know where else he would command that kind of money. I'm sure there's a couple well, other I teams mean, out there. The, but... the,
2: the thing about tomorrow, I, I could see them just trading a pick and getting them tomorrow because they don't want to deal with the offer sheet. But it seems like Phoenix has made it perfectly clear that they are not yeah, they're done willing with to match a Matt's offer. So we'll see.
1: Hey, you know what, Rabs? In a perfect world, he's going to come home and play with his Arizona Wildcat brethren, Benedict Matherin.
0: Do yeah. they play together? No. no. No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: but, but just, I'm just saying like, you know, Spartan dog for life, you know, wildcat dog for life or what? whatever. I don't know what their deal is.
2: Arizona, Arizona, one of those programs that's had like a million first round picks. And I don't think they've been in the final four since like 2000.
1: And also like a million scandals along the way. But. Well,
2: I mean, Sean Miller just, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure DeAndre Aiden got like a couple mil to go to Arizona. Shout out. <laughs>
0: All righty. Um, do we have a trifecta for today, Trent?
1: Let's save it. We'll save it. It's, it's, we're getting long.
0: It's done. Okay, we'll put the kibosh on it. Well, that's it for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, concerns, I guess, if you have them. Um, we are on Twitter at Motown underscore rundown. We are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Feel free to interact with us. Who do you think the Pistons are taking at five? Who do you want? Do you want DeAndre Ayton? Do you not? Who knows? Whatever you want. We're on social media. Uh, we are also, for the time being, only on Spotify. We are working on getting back on Apple Podcasts, but Spotify is cooler anyway. Uh, no free ads, but I do think they are solid platform. So uh, Motown Rundown on Spotify. Uh, subscribe, follow us so you don't miss a single episode. We've been doing good with episodes every single week. So we'll be back here again next week. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. That's it. We'll see you.